You are listening to the Stillbirth Matters podcast, presented by the Star Legacy Foundation. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating. Or better yet, visit StarLegacyFoundation.org and make a donation. My guest for this episode is Dr. I. Corey Bale. She's an OB in Florida and an associate professor at the University of Central Florida College of Medicine. She recently published a book called Why is Mommy Crying? which explains early pregnancy loss to children. Well, Dr. Bale, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Chris, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. My first question for you before we talk about present day is to turn back the clock. I'm always curious why and how people are attracted to their professions. And I'm wondering if you can talk about how you became an OB and what attracted you to it. I was um, always interested in, in the human body and all the wonderful things that it can do. And started out as a registered nurse. I, I went to nursing school. And as I went out in the world, my, my very, one of my very first jobs was as an OBGYN on a very busy inner city, um, you know, urban setting, working with, um, you know, thousands of deliveries a year. Uh, and I realized that I had the capacity to do more and was interested in doing more and decided to go back to school and become a physician. Early in your career, was pregnancy loss on your radar as something that would be a part of your job, or were you not thinking about well, that? Well, early pregnancy loss is very is very common, and so I think any OBGYN or any um, you know uh, uh, any of the nurses, anybody caring for women who are pregnant, see early pregnancy loss. But it really wasn't on my personal radar beyond, you know, professional care uh, until I myself experienced an early pregnancy loss. And um, it, and the events around that were, were really the nexus for the beginning of the story um, that I wrote. But it took decades for me to actually get it you know, uh, 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 waiting for somebody else, some, some expert to, to write the book. And when it didn't appear, um, I finally decided uh, towards the end of my career that I had the time and, and I, I really wanted to uh, tell the story and get it out. So you come at it from a unique perspective where you have the personal story and the professional expertise. And I'm wondering, what was the goal in writing the book? I think that um, despite how common early pregnancy loss is, uh, most women um, are uh, encouraged to um, get on with things, to not really acknowledge this as a significant life event. There's a lot of silence around early pregnancy loss, and and with that self, you know, uh, self blame. And I think that um, I wanted to help break that cycle. I wanted um, this to be a resource that comforts and consoles and and helps uh, women explain the sadness that they're experiencing, especially to the family's youngest members, because they always know. 
Absolutely. When something's wrong. And it is a children's book, and it's called Why Is Mommy Crying? And I'm wondering how you arrived at that as the title of the book. It's always interesting when you go to title your book and you want to make it a title that, that helps to explain the story within. Um, I went through uh, the story. We, we had a working title that was different, but when it came time to put the title on the page, we went through the book and there's a line um, uh, in the book where the, the little boy is talking to his stuffed animal and says, why is mommy crying? And that seemed like, the natural title. And, and there's the, we've also added that tagline of explaining early pregnancy loss to young children um, to be very clear when somebody's picking up the book, uh, what, what it is. Uh, when was the book published and what has the feedback been so far that you've been hearing? It was published in January of this year. So just a few months ago uh, in, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, but despite um, not being able to pursue some of the um, in-person promotion of the book or the typical book launch, uh, the response has been tremendous. Um, and and uh, both my very gifted illustrator, Heather Bell, and I have have really appreciated the interest. Um, Star Legacy, Star Legacy Foundation, who, for whom I'm doing this podcast, of uh, other grief organizations like Compassionate Friends and, and Resolve. And it, there, there really has been nationalshare.com. There's been a great response. People have appreciated, I think, the inclusiveness of this book. It's, it's meant to be um, non-denominational, very inclusive. Uh, people seem to to find it both, you know, comforting and uh, consoling, which were, the, of course, the goals. You know, early pregnancy loss is is devastating for so many families. It it impacts more families than most people know. Yet so many endure this pain in silence. And I'm wondering, given your perspective and your background, why is it still so hard for us as a society to talk about these losses? I think in part, there have been such dramatic changes in reproductive health and in our societies, um, in our society over the last um, century or so, uh, prior to, you know, modern times, I mean, as, as, you know, 150, 200 years ago, most families consisted of eight to 10 children, you know, 10 to 14 pregnancies. Um, life expectancy was much shorter, um, Life was agrarian, you know, based in the in the in the country, not in the city, and uh, it, it it was a very different dynamic, and the role of women was viewed very differently. Um, I also think that that modern religions have lagged. There's really no ritual like there is around birth or 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 death. Um, an early pregnancy loss is unacknowledged. It has no real unique um, grief or mourning um, ritual associated with it. 
either in secular or in religious society. So I, I just don't think that we've caught up both to the role of women into the modern family where two pregnancies is about average, two to three pregnancies, two surviving children. So what advice do you give to patients when you're talking about the emotional effects of miscarriage and pregnancy loss? Well, um, it may surprise you that one of the things that I really encourage patients to do um, is develop some selective deafness. So that when, when patients say things, when, 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 I'm sorry, when um, patients hear things that aren't helpful, when well-meaning family and friends say things um, like, oh, you're young, you're healthy, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have as many as you want, you'll get pregnant right away and forget about this. Um, when, when they trivial, trivialize what's happened or, or say things that are hurtful, just don't hear it. You know, hear instead that what they're really saying is, I'm concerned, uh, I care, um, can I fold the laundry? <laughs> can, I, can I run the vacuum for you? That don't hear um, the things that are, that are hurtful. Because so often, I don't think that well-meaning family and friends mean to be hurtful and so it helps to be a little bit deaf um and of course i encourage patients to resist that tendency to be silent to self-blame um and instead to reach out to to the you know wonderful resources that are available such as star legacy foundation and uh, the many groups online um of course zoom we've all gotten familiar with there there are many groups out there um to reach out to so you know i i love that your book is um designed uh to reach children and there are other books that do the same on this topic it it flips the human instinct on its head that many parents have which is to protect children from traumatic, difficult happenings in their lives and um, have them look the other way and not, not see it and um, not talk about it until they're older. But clearly, it's important to talk to kids about stuff that happens in their families. And I'm wondering, if, from your perspective, can, can you just talk about how important it is to have these conversations with kids? I'm so glad you asked, Chris. I'm really glad you asked. Um, because certainly kids always know um, when there are major life events happening in the family and the effort to protect kids by not talking about these events never works because they always know. Um, and a child that's old enough to love is old enough to grieve. And yet kids are very different from adults. They're not just little adults. Um, kids are all ego and they, they need to know that um, an early pregnancy loss is not their fault, that they didn't cause this to happen because they didn't want to give up their nursery or they, they didn't want you know, to um, give away their clothes that don't fit anymore to the, to, you know, in preparation for the incoming child. Um, they need the reassurance that the other family members are healthy and are going and are okay. Um, and they overhear all kinds of comments that, that, you know, they would welcome an opportunity to, to you know, clarify or explain to them what's going on. One of the really interesting 
effects of writing this book is that very you know people who I know really well and as well as some people I don't know but but among my friend group I'm hearing the stories of either when they themselves have had a pregnancy loss which despite knowing them for decades I did not know that they uh, had had that experience or um their experience as a child um, when their mother experienced a pregnancy loss. And I, I'm hearing these stories over and over again and people saying, oh, I wish, I wish I had had a book like this. And I, and I think that one of the really positive things about this book is that it serves as a springboard to, to have that discussion with your child. You mentioned earlier how patients, you advise to your patients that they should have selective deafness, which I think is fantastic advice. As my family has experienced the lot, a stillbirth of our daughter, Reese, and we've, we've heard those things too. You're young, you're healthy. This is all part of God's plan. Everything happens for a reason. Those are just a few of the phrases that really cut at you uh, following an, an incident like that. And um, I'm wondering if, what advice you have for friends or family members about how they can help someone they love who has experienced a pregnancy loss. I think that the best advice that I can give is to not trivialize what has happened and, and, and my condolences for your loss too. Thank you. And, and that is, that is, um, you know, there is this tendency, um, to, um, want to be reassuring and and it comes off of of the, our loved ones come to us with very glib comments. And, um, it's, it's much better for them to acknowledge the significance of the loss, um, and their own loss because they've, they've, they've lost this child also. A child is not, you know, just the child of parents, it's the child of the whole extended family and community. Um, and though many families do go on to, to have other children um, and to have other successful pregnancies, that's not always the case. Um, and I think that um, uh, being a loving and supportive friend is um, for, for this, for an early pregnancy loss, is the same as it is for any other significant uh, event in the life of the family. Since you are an OB, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the question, how can OBs play a role in our society becoming more comfortable with discussions about pregnancy loss? Well, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that it's not just the role of the physician. It is the nurses, the, the midwives, the physician assistants, the medical assistants, the, the, the entire staff of people that take care of us when we go um, through a medical event, uh, a health-related event. They all play a role in helping us, and, and they should be acknowledged. Um, I know that our, our local hospital doesn't want to send people home empty handed. And so there's a basket with, you know, resources and that they're not talking about adding my book, which, which I, I got that call this morning. I was really pleased to hear that they're thinking of adding the book. Um, 
So uh, I think that that you know uh, health uh, care uh, professionals, paraprofessionals, everybody <laughs> uh, should um, uh, acknowledge the loss uh, and. Um, they can encourage healthy outlets. I know I've seen some families hang wind chimes, uh, make a memory book, uh, stitch a quilt. Um, and families where music's important, you know, create a song, a written word, you know, uh, poetry. But but to create some form of memory. Um, Again, we don't have ritual for early pregnancy loss. There aren't funerals, there aren't grave markers in most cases. So some some focus uh, of of their of a family's memory and giving them those suggestions, um, making resources available. We now have um, October designated uh, since 1989 as the Pregnancy and Infant Loss uh, Awareness Month. And uh, we're, we're seeing more people speaking out about pregnancy loss. And I think health professionals should encourage that and have resources available for the families they take care of. When you think back to the beginning of your career as an OB to now, are we making progress in shattering the stigma, making it more okay to talk about pregnancy loss? Have you noticed any progress or has not much changed in your time as an OB? Oh, I think things are changing. I think I think um, women overall are more visible and expecting um, speaking up for themselves um, are more assertive. Uh, the fact that uh, you know I'm teaching in medical school. When I went to medical school, it was about twenty percent of my class were women. That that's changing for for. Um, at least 10 or 20 years now, half of women who graduate are physicians, you know, half of medical students are physicians. And in uh, obstetrics, it's more than half are women. And I think that that has changed um, uh, obstetrics and gynecology. And, and the paternalism of medicine of, of uh, you know, don't worry, you know, uh, we'll take care of you. The, the, that's been out the window for for a while now too, and um, I think that there's more humanity in medicine as a result, and I think that that's a very good thing. And I do think we're making progress, and the fact that we're doing this podcast is is part of that. And again, I really thank you for this opportunity to to be here to talk about my book and to help um, to encourage people to. Um, reach out, speak out, um, both for the help they need and to help others and, uh, and to remove some of the stigma uh, around pregnancy loss and, and encouraging people also not to indulge in the self-blame that is just such a human quality. You know, if only I hadn't, then the list is endless, you know, of, of things that people think they shouldn't have done. Um, when there's any bad outcome, but I think especially with pregnancy loss. Finally, since many of our listeners are families who have experienced pregnancy loss, I'm sure they'll be interested in in getting your book. What is the best way for someone to buy your book? Well, it's um, been released as a print-on-demand book, and so it should be available wherever you would purchase your children's book. You can either... 
uh, have it ordered through your local independent bookstore. Of course, it's available on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. Um, Wonderful. <laughs> it shouldn't be hard to find. <laughs> Wonderful. Dr. Bale, Not it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you for writing this book and for dedicating your career to this space. Um, and thanks for appearing on our podcast. It's been really nice speaking with you. Thank you so much, Chris. And again, my my heart goes out to you as as uh, a father who who has experienced a loss. And I thank you so much for for uh, having me on today. Thank you. That's all for this episode of the Stillbirth Matters podcast. I'm Chris Duffy. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.